Hi everyone, welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast. I'm your host Spencer Lodge and it's my job to make the time you're about to give me as valuable as possible. My job here is to share content I've made across all of my endeavors and ventures as an entrepreneur and bring you stories, lessons and insights from my conversations with some great achievers in business and personal development. I'm an author, chairman of the Blue Sky Thinking Group here in Dubai and a really passionate content creator. Also on my own creative journey and with so much going on, this show is a way for me to funnel out value from all the work my team and I are doing so that we can share it with our audiences online in an easy audio format. For those that attend my seminars or follow me on social media, this is just some extra material to get stuck into on your own journey in business, sales, personal development or whatever aspect you're working on in improving your life. In today's episode, I'll be doing that by sharing an interview I did with Firas Al-Masadi, which we recorded just two weeks ago here in Dubai. Now, Firas is the owner of Fam Properties here in Dubai. Now, he's a very well-known figure in the world of real estate brokerage, uh, and he works very heavily with the developers. And has just been an incredibly successful guy um, as a real estate broker since he came here many, many years ago. Now. The interview lasts around 40 minutes, maybe a bit more than that actually, and I really enjoyed it because the great thing about Firas is he tells his story about where he came from. When he first arrived in Dubai from Syria, he had a job working in a clothing store for a few thousand dirhams every month where he would literally worked in retail clothes store. Um, and he got to know about customer service and how that worked, And but he had a desire, he wanted more, wanted to be better, um, and he got into the real estate industry and just worked as a broker for a few months learning about real estate. This is 10 years ago. He's gone on since to build if not the number one in the number one or two real estate brokerages here in the UAE. Um, he's a real kind of kind of hard working lad. He works hard in the gym, he works hard kickboxing, you know, he's got into social media now, but he's um he's a he's a real kind of like, you know, you can do anything you set your mind to type of character. Yes, he's very successful now, but you you know you'd never know because he's a real humble guy when he talks to me. Um, and at an event recently, I got him up on stage to come and do an exercise with me in front of a thousand people. And and he came up on the stage. And he said to me, "When you called my name, he said my heart raced to a massive rate. He said my mouth went incredibly dry, and I just dreaded the thought of coming up on stage with you." He said, "The fact you did that, he goes, I'll never forgive you." <laughs> If you've enjoyed several of these podcasts or it's your first one, I'd really love for you to rate and review the show. Ideally, a five-star rating on Apple Podcast or some love on the SoundCloud comments. It all helps to get the show discovered. Also, do me a favor if you're listening to this episode right now and it's safe wherever you are so you're not driving or at risk of falling off a treadmill or cutting yourself while you're cooking maybe, grab your phone, send me a DM on Instagram at spencer.lodge or email me at sl at make-it-happen.com. I love the ratings and reviews, but one thing I never expected was all the messages and comments on my social media, and I love it and I just want more. Also, if you're on Facebook, uh, I'm, I'm there, you can check me out there too. Go to facebook.com forward slash Spencer Lodge official. So if you're ready to get stuck in, I really hope you enjoy my interview with Firas Almasadi. Remember, at the end of the interview, I will be back to tell you more about how the interview took place, what I've learned and applied, and share with you a few extra notes about the content. <laughs> Firas, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So, real estate broker here in Dubai, run a successful business called Fan Properties. Yeah. How long has the company been going? Over 10 years, just over 10 years. And so... We celebrated our 10th anniversary 
three weeks back, three months back, I think. Oh man, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Lots of companies don't make 10 years, do they? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah well done for that. Thank and you. And so you're kind of very prominent here in Dubai now. I, I hadn't heard <coughs> of you probably two years ago, but you got into the content creation uh, part of, of marketing, I suppose, for your business. Yeah. What, 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 made, what made you want to do that in the first place? Where did it come from? I think different timings requires different moves. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you have to take, you have to make it a certain chess move and certain timings. Like, I've never been on social media in my life. I never had a Facebook account. I never, I think my wife created for me a Facebook account eight or nine years back, but I've never logged into it even one time. So I was never on social media. Uh, but then as timing changes and markets evolved, I think it became, it became a must. It makes sense because, uh, you basically need to tell the world about you and what you know and what value you can add. And those who are interested in your content, they'll, they'll come to you. Um, so creating energy around your content and around what you know, telling the world about yourself is, is important. And do you find it easy to do that? When you started making those videos, did you find it really challenging to get going and get confident and you know, start producing that kind of stuff? Or was it quite natural for you? Of course, when you start, and I had to, probably a two minutes video, I had to do it maybe 200 times, <laughs> you know, to get it to yeah. an acceptable level. Uh, but practice makes perfect. It wasn't really challenging for me because I knew, I knew it's just the process of you have to keep doing it until you perfect it. And even now I just keep getting better in the process, right? And do you enjoy doing it when you, when you know that you've got to put some time aside for filming? Is it something you Honestly, enjoy? Honestly, I can only do it when I enjoy it. So yeah, I love it. Okay. And do you script it out or do you no, just shoot never. from the hip? No, never. So that's something, you know, it's in I your I think mice. it's a big mistake. I think it's, it defeats the purpose. It's no longer a great value for, of my time if I have to sit and prepare and script in a way. I mean, it depends what, what, what the video is about. But in general, I, I just, I think even this is for anyone who wants to start. If any salesperson believes that he can add value to when he meets with when he meets with clients, basically whatever that value is, it's a, must be like a piece of information or uh, his own interpretation of certain subject or deal or transaction or opportunity. They just put it on on social media, you know, and it works for you while you're doing something else. So it's a big leverage. It gives you a big leverage. I think. Before it existed, there were other methods. In, when I was first here 15 yeah. years ago, there were uh, the Gulf News was always a very big newspaper yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. how people would market their business, their brand, yeah. and whatnot. Uh, there's obviously lots of opportunity to build a brand through social media, but there's still most businesses aren't engaging with it. Most in businesses aren't, I mean, okay, lead generation is one thing, but brand building is another. And so you've seen a few people dip their toes in the water. You've seen a few people yeah. kind of have a go, but not many have really gone kind of up to their neck in it and said, yeah. right, I'm in it and I'm committed to it like you have. Is there anyone else you look at and you say, you know, you know what's interesting is that you've seen, I've seen many people started, then they kind of slow down. And then today I barely see them. Mm -hmm. So I know that, I mean, the keys for, to make anything a success. I think it's classic. The recipe works everywhere and every time you need to be consistent. That's, that's like, that's a no-brainer. If you're not consistent, you're never going to make it work. And before you do it for a co consistent period of time, you can't even judge whether it works or if it doesn't work because you didn't do it long enough. I so, agree with that. So 
yeah, when you think about that, I'm, as you're yeah. talking, I'm thinking about yeah. the companies that you're you're making that yeah. point about. So um, there are they start they start with kind of uh, it takes a while to get their confidence to do it, and then they start, and then they don't see some form of impact or ROI <coughs> on it straight away. And because they're not seeing the ROI, they're not seeing the result, and they're not getting the feedback they need. Yeah. They they go through that process of oh well, maybe we'll stick to what we knew anyway. I look at the amount of money that companies spend on property portals yeah. and, and it's huge amounts of money. Small companies and big companies spend in your industry on the property portals. Yet, I believe that if they brought more value to the market, great created knowledge and created expertise around that particular subject, it would bring people to them. 100%. Look, if you're dealing with a seller or a buyer in our industry, for example, all you want to get to, you want to get to a point where you get them to trust you. Forget the actual deal that you're trying to sell to them. If you get them to trust you at a you know at a generic level, in a way they get to trust you as a, a real estate expert. So you're talking about real estate, about market dynamics, not about that particular property you're trying to list from them or to sell or to 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 sell to them or to sell for them. If you get to the point where you get them to trust you by way of sharing your content and sharing more about you, that's the time. If we tell them sell at this price, that's the market price they're gonna sell, and buy at this price they're gonna buy. Mm-hmm. So um, and I think the best way to do this, you don't get the chance to actually call people randomly or call your clients and try to talk about different subjects in, in the market. But you get to do it through social media. Um, and also, when I started, I never focused on, I never focused on the end, because it's a mean to an end, right? I never focus on the end results, never. I tell myself I'm doing it, and the value that I'm getting out of every minute doing it is the fact that I'm learning. Mm-hmm. And that gives me um, some sort of a satisfaction that I'm learning and I'm progressing, and that what keeps me moving. But if I if I if I do it, and while I'm doing it, I'm thinking of the end results, then it's kind of frustrating, mm-hmm. and then it needs a lot more of willpower for you to continue. Yeah, I agree. Now, for the people that don't know you and don't necessarily from overseas, maybe that don't necessarily know your company, Fam is one of the biggest real estate brokers here in the UAE. Yeah. But your story, I, I guess then you had a very rich and powerful father that gave you a lot of money to start a company up. You had a silver spoon in your mouth and yeah, yeah you were born into lots of success <laughs> or, or is your story different? No, it's different as you know. <laughs> so t- tell me, t- tell me where, what happened when you came to Dubai, what your story was and how you got into the real estate business. So I came to Dubai, I worked for uh, one of the fashion shops in the other city center. My salary was 5500 And I did that for probably a year and a half. But in my first year, I got I was top sales across the UAE. And I, in that retail in business? In that retail business, yeah. Because I did double shifts, literally, throughout. Okay. I mean, I don't remember a day that I didn't come or I didn't do double shift. I'm sure there, have, there were days that I didn't do double shifts. I can tell you probably 90% plus of my days I did double shifts. Although the company said no more pending days, no more. But I just, I wanted to learn faster. And I thought the more I do, the, the more I learn mm-hmm. and the faster I progress. And how and old were uh, you when you were doing that? 23, I think, 22. Okay. Yeah. And, th- and that, had that been your first time of living overseas? Yeah. I went to Saudi twice prior to that. Uh, but it didn't work out. Was looking for a job. Worked a little bit in a gym, as a gym trainer, and then that's it. I then I 
I went back to Syria and then I got the job for an interview I made in Syria. So you come to this store, you want to learn how to be really good. Did you get commission selling stuff in the store? No, I think I never focused on, I just focused on one thing. If I do it right, I'll become the best at the business I'm doing and naturally I will earn the most. This is the, this is how, this is my thinking process basically. So um, then, so then I mean, I used to bend down and tie shoelaces for people, yeah. although I wasn't asked to do that. But I would do that because I want every single inch over others. Interesting. Yeah. And so how does a guy go from learning and wanting to be the best he can be at, at his job in retail to then stumble into or strategically move into real estate? I definitely felt that the ceiling is, is, is too low for me in a retail shop. Uh -huh. um, and uh, two-thirds of the world cranes were in Dubai. And I just didn't want to be an audience. I did many interviews. I literally walked into an interview, I remember, through one of my friends. And I literally walked into an interview and I sat on the chair. I didn't say anything, a word, not even hello, not even. I, did, I couldn't reply to them. And they asked me two questions and I didn't say anything. I just got up and walked away. And my friend said, never tell me, ask me again to hook you up with an interview. So I did many interviews, but then I think um, I got into insurance, okay. uh, brokerage, or real estate, and I chose real estate because right. it's more tangible. Okay. So you yeah. went, to, you went, which company did you work for? Do you remember? Yeah, it was called the business real estate. Okay. I, so basically it was only commission based. Yeah. So I couldn't make the shift. So I took my vacation. I remember my friends went to Goa. I went to real estate. Uh, I took my vacation. I did, uh, I think, about 20 days or 25 days. Um, I liked it. I looked at the people around me. I was like, okay, if these guys are doing it, then it's a no-brainer for me. Uh -huh. I can definitely take this over and beyond. And I started. And then the minute my vacation was over, I went back. I resigned. And I, uh, I joined the real estate full-time. And you were selling off plan, selling... Leasing only. Leasing only. I was like a headless chicken with a fountain of blood hitting <laughs> four walls. So I, Bags of enthusiasm. Because, yeah, when you also when you... It was 2000 and... End 2007, I think. Uh, so, I mean, the market was lit Was like... It was a loony market. Like, it was crazy, by all means. Like you would have people queuing to buy property and the guy at the end of the queue would pay the guy in front of him just 50,000 dirhams just to take his. So for me, it was too much to comprehend. So anyway, I was only doing leasing. It's almost when you think about it like that, it's like, like the, almost like the, the comparison to the Bitcoin rush, isn't it? How real estate was back then. Yeah. Right? Everything yeah. was just going up in value all the time. Yeah. And yeah. You know, if you didn't buy now, you were going to lose yeah. an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... You took an apprenticeship, essentially. You learned, you learned about real estate. How long did you, did you work in real estate before you kind of felt accomplished and you felt like you knew, knew what you were doing? I think I did about two months in this company and then one of my investors, <laughs> so basically is the first, his name is A.B. Karim. And he's, today he's one of my best friends. He's from South Africa. So he had a company that basically was just closing down because he didn't have time, you know, to come here to Dubai. They had a plan probably to move to Dubai and then he had him 
a GM here in Dubai running the business for him. Anyway, it didn't work. They were closing down. I remember I walked into the office with him and his brother, Zahid, and uh, they had probably four or five months, I can't remember exactly, left on the rent. And I said, let me try. I started on my own and then I brought the company in six, seven months. I had the receptionist, I made the website, I did a few deals, I had a few agents. And then I sold that company, just that setup, to two investors. One is Armenian, one was uh, Lebanese. And I remained uh, the manager there or the GM. Uh, I brought the company up to probably 34, 35 people. And then the partners went into a legal conflict. I decided to part ways. I just didn't want to be part of it, so I, I left. I joined one of the largest developers. I was let go after a few days because of the recession. Uh, and then I joined a few other real estate agencies, some for a few hours, some for a few days. <laughs> really? I just couldn't go back. I honestly, I just couldn't go back. I was a GM of that company and I couldn't become go back to becoming just a broker. Uh, a broker. Yeah, so I decided to start my own. January 2009, I remember everyone around me who like really cared for me, were, they were all holding me back. I think with the exception of my wife, she, she's like, if you feel it, just do it. Uh, but of course, out of caring, that's why even my dad was telling me, look, you've, you've made a bit of money, just get a stable job and relax. Yeah. Uh, one of my best friends like, no, not now. Anyway, I started. So I took an office. I signed one contract, three and a half years. Shell and core office. I did all the fit out. Wow, did you? Yeah. You went, you, that was bold then. Yeah. So it's not like you started with a serviced yeah. office or something. I bought a bankrupted license. Well, I didn't buy it. I, I got a bankrupted license, reset license, paid sponsorship fees. And uh, it was called Special Home or Special House. Then I made changed the name to FAM and I started. So how big was that first office? 1,100 square feet, I think. 1,100 square I feet. I remember I had on the frosted glass, I had FAM group. Yeah. And clients would walk in, they would like, man, which group? And in, in, in those early early months, the first kind of 12 months as you were going, going through that, yeah. did you have some scary times where you thought, shit, man? Yeah, but I think that keeps me, I, I think one of the, I managed to associate pain and pressure to success in a way, I don't know how. Because the minute I'm going through these and I feel the pressure, I feel that I'm not in my comfort zone, I feel the pain of working late hours, I, I know in the back of my head that means literally success, like one plus one equals two and that means success. I know if I'm in that zone consistently, I'm going to end up in a good place. I, so, I, I, I get that. The more pressure you put me under, the more yeah. I react, yeah. The, 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 yeah. The, more, the more responsive I am. Yeah. It's almost like it, it, it's, it's where the adrenaline then yeah. gets chucked out. And the fact that you feel the pressure, yeah. you know? Like some people don't feel the pressure. Many people are under pressure in reality, but they don't feel the pressure. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people... You know, life is short. Yeah, yeah. But then there's that ch- chunk of the population that feel the pressure and it gives them yeah. massive anxiety yeah. and negs them out, frightens them, depresses yeah. them. For me, it's like, yeah. put, put me in a corner and see me yeah. come out, you know, punching type yeah. of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm, exactly. I, I'm better in that place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I understand that. So, can you remember your first employee? 
Her name was Michelle. She was from Philippines, receptionist. I still highly regard her. And she put you, she put her faith in you, oh a new goodness. business. You know what? You asked me if I went through a pressure at the beginning. I feel bad for whoever worked with me at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like the most edgy, like I was at the edge 24 hours. Really? Yeah, on my toes. I cannot tell you enough. And, and, and I mean, now when, when, you know, when we hire or, you know, new people and we're in kind of big meeting, Tariq tells me, man, these guys, they haven't seen you for seven or eight years back. <laughs> You're like a honeymoon now. <laughs> you kind of eased into yeah. it. Well, you've gone through that, that kind of like build phase and you, you, you get, every business starts with that which is the, the part of business I like, by the way, that startup phase where everyone's under pressure to get shit yeah. done. And it's probably probably three years, you know, yeah. before you start to get cash flow right and you yeah. start to make sure you balance the books all the time and you're making yeah. profit. And it's kind of like you've got systems and yeah. processes together. That, that for me is the, you know, the best part of business. You've gone through that cycle and you're through that kind of it's more, even though you're growing, it's leveled out and it's less like yeah. this along the way. And it's probably more like that. Does that, still excite you that side of business or do you yeah. do you find yourself reaching out in other directions now no other other directions you do yeah okay i think it's one of the challenges because when you become in let's not call it but when you when you're well established you know mm. you know financially and otherwise Comfortable, then, yeah. yeah then that becomes a challenge itself okay now what moves me more what to kill myself yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. So that's exactly right. Yeah. So when when you do when you do that, did, did it make you search outside of the real estate industry, or does it make you search within the real estate industry for that type of stimulation, that type of what I can find? I think wherever I think wherever the opportunity is, I go after the opportunity. But it's always my priority is a low hanging fruit. Always. Okay. So basically, of course, if I have an opportunity in the industry or. I mean, naturally, you would evolve into either things and avenues within your industry or avenues that has certain synergy with your industry. So, for example, I started an interior design company. Did it work? Uh, we had an amazing first year, super profitable from the first year. The second year, my partner was, uh, was a 50-50 partnership. Uh, my partner expected me to keep flooding business in. I'm like, look, I exhausted my contact, all my contacts. Now I gave you the stepstone. The, the most difficult part is to, to do the first year and to manage your cash flow. It's like, no. So anyway, he left. He called me. He's like, man, the company is called FAM. By the way, I think this is the first time I tell this story. On, okay. Yeah. So the company called FAM CDS. So he had a company called CDS in, uh, in Syria and we called it FAM CDS. And he called me and he's like, in a way between the lines that I have the upper hand because the company called FAM and if you want FAM to, call, to be bankrupted, then you bankrupted them. Uh, I think we had a deficit to contractors because I wasn't involved at all in anything in the business other than referring business. Um, and he was very good technically, but not on the business development side. So he expected me to do it all the time. And so when I, so I called all contractors and I said, I'm a 50% owner in the company. Um, I'm ready to pay you my 50%. Just call him and pressure him to come 
to Dubai. You deal with him with your 50%. And then he flew to Dubai and he transferred the company. So I took over the company. I paid everyone 50%. Although it was very easy for me to negotiate and say 50, either take 20 or. Um, so I kept the company. I paid everyone 50%. Uh, because I think there's a thin line between uh, being shrewd in business and literally eating people's right. Mm -hmm. So that itself is, was a great satisfaction for me, to be honest. So I took over the company and I continued. I was on hold for about a year and today is full-fledged. Uh, yeah, so it's called Only Fam and yesterday. And I evolved into, we ventured into Fam Living, which is a, a short-term let uh, business. Mm -hmm. It's also our first year is success by all means. Um, we have around 40 employees today. Mm -hmm. And I'm not so involved in that business. I managed to put the right team together. And um, the start was difficult, but, but today it's sailing very well. And I think there's huge potential on the upside for that business. And I also ventured into outdoor media. And oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw yeah. a post. There's a big billboard somewhere, isn't there? Yeah. What, what, what's prompted you to get into outdoor media considering you're fully engrossed and in, embedded in social media as well? About outdoor media, it's been five years now. But so I only started social media six months back, maybe. Okay. So, okay, yeah. so you got into the outdoor media industry. Yeah. Yeah. However, I've not seen... There's the billboard that's gone up recently with... Family, yeah, but, yeah, but no... Uh, Is there stuff in the past? Since, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I haven't seen that. You see on Sheikh Zayed Road the small, the small signage of on the big billboard. Of course, your eyes are on the big billboard, not on the company that has the billboard. Uh, of course, of course. So what do you, well, that's an interesting point actually, because I'm, I'm very anti-outdoor media right now. Um, oh, I, the re then you're talking to the wrong one. Well, it's we're interesting, have let's have a debate. <laughs> because for me, I don't know, let's say we were buddies and you said, yeah. Spence, come pick me up from the airport. I've been on a business trip and I go get you from the airport and we're chatting on the way in the car down the Sheikh Zayed Road. My assumption is that you're going to be staring at your phone in the passenger seat as we go down the road, which is what you do most of the time anyway. And I'm driving, and so what am I looking at? I'm either looking at the road or I'm probably looking at my phone as well because that's what people do here. Are people giving the attention to billboards that they might have done 10 no years doubt. ago? You believe? If you're not on, of course, on certain locations, Sheikh Zayed Road, the Golden Mile. If you're not on Sheikh Zayed Road, you're not in Dubai. You're not in Dubai. That's why you would see Uber, Property Finder, Dubizel, all the big, big, big players, online players, are on Sheikh Zayed Road. So how do you measure it? How do you yeah, measure the I ROI? The impact, on, on I think the impact is the impact is enormous. In fact, when I put my signboard, my when I put my my face and you know I, I, on on the outdoor, I went to Google Analytics and I saw the number of people and it, it was like literally the chart was like this people googling my name googling yeah do you think people google as much as they used to or do you think people search on social media for stuff now i don't know i talk, i think people talk to siri now you know okay you don't really google you just you know whether it's, it's an iphone or a samsung whether it's a google or 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 or, or social media you're basically searching online because you've seen something on the outdoor. And especially outdoors also on Sheikh Zayed was associated to not anyone can afford to do it, mm -hmm. right? Okay, it's so expensive. 
So I, 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 so I, it sends a message that you're kind of well established. You're kind of serious about what you're doing, and because also people know that anyone can create a, a, a fancy website, mm-hmm. three thousand terms, right? Yeah. Anyone can create a nice landing page, and mm-hmm. but anyone can be on Sheikh Zayed Road mm-hmm. Outdoor Media. So I think Outdoor Media, in fact, one of the one of the industries or the the businesses that was least effective by affected by uh, uh, you know the tech revolution mm-hmm. if you want to call it okay so i have a facebook live every sunday night and then some people say to me can't you do live at the same time on instagram and i was at first oh, well i do a facebook live it's called a facebook live i'm on facebook yeah just come off of instagram and go to facebook and watch me there yeah. and people would say yeah but i don't want to come off of instagram and go onto facebook and watch you and i'm like in my mind, it's like, well, just press one button and yeah. press another. It's on your phone. That's friction. That's what Gary Vaynerchuk talks about. He talks yeah. about friction. And so do I try and persuade everybody to come onto my Facebook Live or do I make sure I'm live on uh, Instagram at the same time? We know that um, LinkedIn has just launched live. In the United yeah. States, it's coming here as well. So when that happens, it's important for me to make sure I'm live in the places that people's eyes are. Yeah rather than ask them to come to me i've got to go to them so when i think about billboard advertising compared to how it used to be and think about where our attention is now i mean vaynerchuk will even say that billboard advertising by comparison to what it used to be is nowhere near as powerful so it's interesting hearing your comments on that but it depends that's why i said depends outdoor where if you put an outdoor on the road that's nowhere near the effect of putting outdoor on sheikh zayed road also so if you're on, audience, you're on the you're Las Vegas Strip, you're on the Shakeside yeah, Road, yeah. you're at Piccadilly Circus in yeah. London, you know yeah. th- those places you believe that yeah, outdoor has value. Difference, yeah, yeah. But it's not it's not valuable if you're putting outdoor in the back and beyond. It, it always adds value, but it's not like when you're on Shakeside Road. Your audience is different. Your the perception of what you're doing and how much you're spending is different. And I'm telling you the biggest that's the biggest example. You have companies, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm talking about companies that spends millions, tens of millions of dollars on online ads. And they still go to Sheikh Zayed Road every single year and put an outdoor media for them there. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting. A really interesting subject. If you look at all these, uh, um, you know, circus shows or mm. the, wow. the events well, and other, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they all go on Sheikh Zayed Road. Although they are all over the social media, all over the social media. They do, yeah. But I think also part of this, that, you know, social media and the online and the tech revolution and, and we're still nowhere near where it is in the States, for example, or in... Yeah, miles behind. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Yeah. What do you think, or what is your strategy from a social media perspective with FAM yeah. moving forward? I mean, we saw recently you just done some business or set up a business in China, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So just started a, a lot of people Shanghai. talking about China, but not not as many committing to China as maybe could. But you've gone over yeah. there and you've you've made yeah. that decision. Um, when you consider how you use social media with China, for example, actually it's a really interesting yeah. debate. Have you heard of TikTok? TikTok. So TikTok is an app that used to be called Musically, and on New Year's Eve on the Burj Khalifa, TikTok had their TikTok sorry had their brand on the building. Yeah. That's the first time there was a brand up there because they did a deal with Emar because Emar wants to get into China and oh, TikTok's yeah, 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 a Chinese yeah, yeah, app. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my daughter's on yeah
Oh. And after being on TikTok for three, four months, she had 14,000 followers just producing content. So wow. she's 17. So it's different yeah. type of stuff that you and I yeah, would yeah. do, <laughs> dancing and stuff. Yeah. Um, but when I, when, I, when I look at what people have as a strategy for producing content and where they place that content, do you go deep into thinking about that? You know, do you, do you spend a lot of time on that? Or are you in the place where you're like, I'm just going to keep producing as much content as I can on as many channels as I can so that I get more awareness? Believe it or not, I'm not involved much in, on the company side for social media. Okay. So all the marketing and all the online and the social media is done by my brother, Fatih. So he does the technical side of it. You just you so, just produce the content. Uh, no, for me, I just me. I have a, something called Project X, and that Project X is just me and my social media. So Tell us. It has nothing to do about what. Uh, okay, so you're building the yeah. brand of Firas. Yeah, just just me. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Why? Why? Uh, why not? I yeah. think I have every reason. Like, yeah. because I think if you're not there, you're just not there at all. I mean, imagine, I think five years down the line, and this is something I said when I started, five years down the line, you compare yourself to someone who's been pumping content into the social media for five years. You're no one. As compared to him, you're no one, literally. Mm -hmm. You have no fingerprint in the market. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's, it's beyond a must. Did, uh, you, did you look at, um, oh, what's his name? Wolf of Real Estate, Mahanid. Um, yeah, yeah, Wadiya. yeah. Uh, what's his I'm name? Wadiya. Wadiya. When you, did you, did you, did you con consume and understand what he was doing some time ago and look at it and think there's an opportunity there? Or... That, that, that's everyone, a great example I of think, the book we spoke yeah, about earlier, isn't I'll it? I'll tell you. I think, I think everyone has, uh, every content has different audience. Mm -hmm. And my content is completely different. It has nothing to do with scripted yeah. content. And, you know, so yeah. I don't go and do ads and stuff. So it's a completely different animal altogether. Uh, but can you see how he wrote a book on the back of writing a book? He was the first real estate guy to write a book, and even the title makes me cringe. But nonetheless, yeah. he wrote the book, um, and his his position in the market, even though he's a real estate brokerage, I'm assuming isn't very yeah. big, but is relatively successful. You know, I like what you said. Now we're have, having a quick discussion. That discussion downstairs. At least he's doing it. At least he's done it. So that itself is just impressive. You know, hats off. He's done it. Yeah. Yeah. People respect that, don't they? So Project X is about essentially building the brand of Firas, demonstrating yeah. that you're, you are the, the market leading expert in what you do uh, and the go-to guy, yeah? Honestly, Project X for me is just to put content, which is basically my knowledge and my experience on social media. I don't over for, uh, overthink the, the ultimate I wanna be the, because now I also have other priorities, that's one. Uh, two, I'm very new to it. Mm -hmm. It's been five to six months. But I know there will be a tipping point where I say, this is what it takes. And then I take off. What advice would you give to one of the, or one of any of the competitors that are in the marketplace based upon your journey so far? What advice would you give to anybody um, that's thinking of starting producing content and what they should and shouldn't do? I think they just have, I think the easiest, the shortest way to start is just to tell yourself that, okay, I can sell 
because I know something and that's something that I know I need to put it on social media. So I think people should not script. People should practice a lot how to communicate and how to convey the message and how to probably stand in front of a camera or a mic. But they should not spend time scripting. It's then the ROI goes. Mm -hmm. If people spend time doing that. Yeah. Instead of spending time scripting, spend time learning something that you can actually practice and you know that it works and then you put it on social media. It's almost a little bit like learning how to sell, isn't it? When you've got someone who doesn't know how to sell and they've, they've got to learn, their first meeting with their first prospect is a little bit messy and a little bit nervy yep. and they don't get it right, but yep. you know, keep practicing it and the second meeting gets a bit better and then the third prospect gets a bit better. It's like the phone calls when people used to cold call. Yep. She's getting more comfortable with it. I think that that actually, if they just went through that process, yep. the difference between that, I suppose, and, and selling is that if you're not getting any money unless you make a sale, yeah. you've, you're forced to go down that path. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Whereas on social media, there isn't a direct, you know, I'm sure if you paid everybody that was gonna try $1,000 for every video they made, I'm <laughs> sure that people yeah. would start making them. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. And the good I, thing about social media, you have different ways, but different depends how you wanna position yourself. I mean, you can still do social media as just, you know, uh, like, a, I don't know, a cool guy who's, I don't know, sharing what he's doing during the day and his sports and, 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 and not, nothing to do with real estate. And then once you have the right knowledge and then you can always start, you know, putting, uh, you know, the content of what you know. Okay, back to real estate quickly. When you look at the real estate industry here in Dubai, yeah. right, I just want to talk about a little bit about the, what's actually happening. There's a huge amount of off-plan stuff being sold. There's still the secondary market that seems to struggle to some degree. People needing to put a 25% deposit down, although with off-plan, a lot of people are being able to have payment terms that are much more appealing um, over a period of time. Um, the rental market, the prices have come down over, over time, which I think is only good because this isn't Kensington or Chelsea. This is, this is Dubai after all. Um, we see the population increasing. So if the population increases, then eventually those properties are gonna be filled. We see uh, a lot of people talk about there's not enough low cost housing available for people that are living here. Um, take, take your I own a real estate brokerage hat off. Yeah. You know, I'm a successful real estate guy. Just talk, talk just from the heart, okay? What do, you, what do you feel, what do you sense when you look at the market here? Look, I think certainly the market in Dubai is being built as we speak. So it might take a few other cycles, a few more cycles for the market to mature, uh, you know, in a way that allows us to start to plan more steady, basically. You know, today the market is evolving. I think, you know, when you talk about regulations, when you talk about trends, like the, the post handover payment plans, the regulations that had to do with uh, um, with the visas, the regulation that had to do with the DLD fees, uh, the regulation that had to do with how much the developer has to build before start selling. All of these things have an immediate impact, and I think we have to be always on standby to immediately react to it. Um, otherwise, people will lose a lot, I think. And when it comes to supply and demand, honestly, it is what it is. We have an excessive supply, for me personally, I think the excessive supply is coming from uh, the master, master developers who are mainly government or semi-government. That means the government and the semi-government have skin in the game. They're not telling you invest in Dubai and they're investing elsewhere. Uh, but definitely they don't have a short-term view. So those who have short-term view, they're scared, they're not, they're, they're, they're not very comfortable. Okay, fine, just side park, 
and watch. Those who actually have a serious view to the real estate, it's never a short-term game. Um, it's medium to long-term. Um, I think Dubai will, Dubai will definitely get to places. I think what Dubai has built so far can tell you that how serious their plans are and how serious uh, 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 what they've already accomplished is. Do you think there's a likelihood that the 25% loan-to-value or 75% loan-to-value deal will change? I think we should not touch that. I think we should focus more on bringing more demand rather than tempting the current demand to actually take more exposure. Okay. Because exposure is, really, is dangerous. That's a really good point, actually. So does that then do you think there should be more effort put into opening up the visas yeah, for 10 definitely. years for everybody? Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, because that stops people yeah. worrying about whether they're going to be here in a couple of years stuck with a property yeah. they own. Okay. I mean, if someone is decent, even if the visa is one-year visa, okay, it might be a little bit annoying or administrative to have to go on to renew your visa. But if someone is living a decent life here, I mean, I know many people have been here for 30 years or 40 years. Um, I don't think anyone was just let go or asked to, to leave the country just because they were so decent. Do you know what, though? Do you remember when you were first here? Yeah. The visa thing was pretty scary. When you're first here, you arrive in this country, yeah. it's like medicals, visas, and it's, it, it's a bit, of, when you've never done it, yeah. it's a bit of a process. Yeah. Even though we've been here years and it's like, yeah, yeah visa renewal yeah. just needs to yeah. be done. I think that if you come here and you work for a company and you go through that visa process, I think for the first couple of years, people, people are wary. Yeah. Because I agree, of that. I agree with you. Maybe maybe I spoke about it from a very personal perspective. Yeah, I think yeah, we, no, we no, no, I agree with you. It's just like I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think also the world is changing. So what you know, a few years ago, this not a few years ago, probably I don't know. I don't know when it started exactly, but all these passports uh, and programs coming from different countries, from mm -hmm. Europe, from uh, from the states, even from from England, the investment program to get a passport or a long term residency. I think Dubai needs to factor what other mature markets are offering. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that's an absolute, for me, that, that's the, I think that's the biggest game changer. If people can come here either on a 10-year visa or they can know that the visa renewal process doesn't require them to fit in all of the typical categories that exist right now. I mean, if you own a house, you own a 5 million dirham house and yeah. you, have a re you have a resident visa but you lose your job, there's... There's a lot of hassle that goes with banks and mortgages and stuff like that if you lose your job. I agree. And it's and it's and it's scary, you know. I agree. Yeah. And so I and mean, I don't know if it's scary. Yeah. Well, it maybe is for concerning. lots of people because when they think about it, they're like, well, hold on a minute. So I've got this mortgage. I owe this money on this house. I've got this much equity in this property. Am I going to be? Am I going to be okay? I think maybe if there was more education for yeah. the market about that, there was more education to the masses. Actually, look, yeah. these are, this is what happens. Well, that's the opportunity on social media. Your business, how do people get hold of you? If people want to follow you, people want to find out what you're doing, how do people follow you? Where do they go? Uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, I think. So I'm more on LinkedIn. Yeah. And just started Instagram. But yeah, these two platforms I'm on. Have you noticed, it's interesting, on LinkedIn, how much more engagement you get in terms of long-form comments? 
yeah. on LinkedIn yeah, than you do on anything yeah. else. Yeah. It's almost like substantially enough for you to be able to respond to yeah. with yourself. Do you think because LinkedIn, I mean, I don't have, I don't have much experience in this, but do you think because LinkedIn is more, is more desktop friendly than Instagram, so people write more? It's exactly that reason. People sit on their, lap, their laptop and they'll type they have more LinkedIn, yeah. than yeah. they will. They will. And it's, it's less... Instagram is more on the move. And it's also, you don't see emojis on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. So people aren't then leaning across to the smiley face or the flame. They're yeah. literally, they, they read something. I think that a lot of people that produce content on LinkedIn get some things wrong, okay? And the number one thing I think they get wrong is they produce content and that they don't ask a question. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important to ask a question. And then I think that for people to build relationships with people producing content, I think they need to comment and then ask a question as yeah. well to get the conversation flowing. You know, some of the earlier stuff you did on LinkedIn, you'd ask a question, yeah. all right, and you'd tag, you'd tag me in a couple of yeah, them. It's yeah. like, what do you think, Spencer? Yeah. And you, yeah, will yeah. you compel me to, to yeah. respond? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, yeah. And, and I think that's really important. On LinkedIn, you just see, well, obviously, on, uh, sorry, on Instagram, you see the bots. Yeah. And it's literally how many comments with a flame so, or an emoji. Talking of social media, tell me, where do you see the opportunity in what you're doing? Where do you think you're going to take this to? Well, if you, t- if you take... Where do you see yourself in three years with this, with this setup that... Yeah. So I know exactly where I'm going. So I'm clear on what my, my outcome is. So my, my, my clients are corporates, okay? Primarily corporates. So I work in a B2B space. So from a make it happen perspective, for, for the revenue generation of my business, the focus is B2B. So clearly LinkedIn has a better home for B2B. Yeah. However, most people that are on LinkedIn are on Facebook and Instagram too. Nonetheless, um, so I see my focus being on building up my uh, audience and my engagement on LinkedIn, knowing that uh, LinkedIn Live is coming um, over the course of the next few months means really exciting news for me personally, because I can then go live into LinkedIn on a regular basis. If you produce content on LinkedIn, more people see it within your audience than on Facebook and Insta. So I'm leaning into that as well, because I think that's really valuable. However, I'm noticing that people are using Facebook less and Instagram more at the moment. Um, so creating content for your daily life. I mean, Instagram stories is, is where your daily life. So like you in the gym, me and them in... Gosh, when I put Instagram stories, like the, the, the followers or the engagement went... Yeah. Instagram stories. You know, when I started, I never put any story on my... I was like, what's okay. this story? Just put a post. No, yeah, stories are important because most people are watching stories. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. that's, that's where the attention is. Yeah. So as soon as you go there, then yeah. you're going to get the engagement. Um, no, I'll be so, consistent on stories, definitely. Okay, cool. And so what is, what's your Instagram handle so everyone knows? Firas underscore L underscore Masadi. Okay, great. It's, it's interesting for me looking at where we're going to be in three years. I want to be known, okay, I think I, I without trying to be arrogant about this, I think I'm known more than anybody else doing what I do regarding sales and business development strategies here in Dubai. Do you feel that there's an opportunity because there's no one else? I mean, I didn't hear yeah, of anyone else. Dow Carnegie Institute. There's, what? There's, there's loads. I mean, okay, there are a lot of companies. Yeah. But as Individuals. an individual, you know, as an individual who's an influencer, who's out and about, I, I mean, maybe there are, but I'm, but I'm not aware. But Okay, but this is, this is really interesting because there are, and you're going to notice this yourself as time goes by. People will look at what you do and say, I can't do that. And there's people that will look at what you do and say, I can do that. 
And so you'll yeah. start to notice yourself within your industry, people starting to follow your footsteps. Yeah. That's a great yeah, compliment, yeah. Yeah. okay? Yeah. Because they're saying, well, hold on a minute, if he's doing it, then probably I need to yeah. do it. So there's a few people out there that are that sporadically producing content. For me, I don't get it, okay? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, But you know what's very interesting what you just said, and it's to do with competitors when competitors copy you. I think that means you're a market leader. I mean, you're only a market leader if people start to copy you. Copycat. Otherwise, you're not a market leader. And as a market leader, it's an ongoing process. A Korean copied Uber. Yeah. Yeah, because Uber was a market exactly. leader and they acquired Kareem now. Mm. So good for Kareem. Very good uh, for yeah. Kareem. And many of their stuff. Good for both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, you're right. It, it, being positioned. I mean, at the end of the day, there's an argument in your industry between who is the biggest, the best, and, and, yeah. and there's these different measurements. I wonder why everybody's is vying on different levels to be the best. Maybe it's a maybe it's a con confidence and an ego right. player. Maybe it's a I don't know. What is it? Because yeah. I saw you posting some stuff a while ago that doesn't matter about this information. This is the information that matters. See, I'm very I'm uh, I was very particular actually because there's an industry of awards now. Yeah, you know, like and a lot we of are and a lot of them are paid for. Exactly, we're bombarded by you know companies that give awards and say, okay, I mean, we just mentioned one now downstairs. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, the juicy was twenty percent, and eighty percent were basically paid or compliments or. Um, so just all I was saying that our the awards that we earned is purely purely sales driven, which means execution driven it's not because we're you know we won an award because of uh, a perceptional you know aspect you have of a our nice business office. you know <laughs> yeah so <laughs> were the, the awards were basically purely based on sales and sales record and but i don't i don't think i mean today if you ask me am i the best in every area in dubai for sure not we cover probably 12 to 15 areas in dubai out of, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even in probably 20% of Dubai, not even in 20% of Dubai, but we're in prime areas, the most lucrative areas, but we're not even covering 20% of the resale market in Dubai. So how can I say I'm the best real estate? And no, I'm not, you know, I'm the best in what I do, you know? Uh, and I think there are others who are much better than us in what they do. And the who do you respect has, uh, in, in the industry? Who, who, who are the competitors do you respect? I respect everyone. Okay. But who do you I, admire? Honestly, who I respect do you admire? everyone. Uh, That's such a politically correct answer. <laughs> uh, no, no, seriously. <laughs> who no, do you seriously, admire? I, re I respect everyone. I think competition is, is, uh, is healthy. When people copy you, if, if you have brain, you should feel good about it. And uh, um, if you copy people, then you say next round, they have to copy me. And that motivates you to, mm -hmm. to be more creative. Yeah. Um, who I respect the most? Everyone. <laughs> and who do you Again. admire? When you look at companies, who do you admire? Anyone? Um, or individuals? Admire in, in the sense, in the, in the context of what? Professionally admire. Uh, look at what they've done uh, and say, yeah, I, I, I admire that. That's a good job. I mean, to be honest, I'm not... Tarek, my, my managing partner, he's more out, about in the, out and about in the market. So he, he basically interacts more with business owners. But, I mean, I don't really interact with... I mean, Lewis also is, uh, is a good example. I went with him a couple of times. He's a really nice guy. For sure, he has a real business. That's 100% sure. Uh, because there are a lot of businesses that are not real. 
you know, yeah. in a way. It's yeah. not like, it's not really real estate. It's not, it's a, I mean, you've seen, that's why you've seen some companies in Dubai went up like this in one year and went down like this in the second or third year because their entire business was based on one connection that exists in one of the, mm -hmm. um, you know, master developer offices or whatever. And when that connection was broken, that's it, the company collapsed. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, no, I think uh, there are there aren't. I think there are few companies that are literally they are there and it's uh, they're doing well, but their business model is not really real estate. It's not. Do you think that you, as you grow the group, you will move away from just being a real estate guy and move into into many other industries, or would you I think? myself, I'm already moving into real estate private equity. Real estate, private equity. Yeah. Okay. I'm already, so I'm no longer going to, for example, DLD or putting transactions under my name in DLD or I'm already changing course, you know, two years. We've made our mark. For me, I, I need to be excited about what I'm doing mm -hmm. and I can't be excited if I keep, you know, playing in the same. I have different playground today. And last year, my playground was different from the year before. Yeah. And you're prepared to be that flexible and that fluid and move. Yeah, I quickly. think that's the fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, I suppose, in the place you're at right now, you, yeah. you, you have the ability to do that, don't yeah. you? You're yeah. agile. With so much challenges, but yeah. 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 I, I really, really enjoyed talking yeah. to you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much for your time today. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, big time, honestly. Excellent stuff. And I think we definitely crossroads a lot on, on different avenues. <laughs>
So if you enjoyed this podcast, you got any feedback, as I mentioned, email me at uh, sl at make-it-happen.com or you can message me on Instagram at spencer.lodge or fear Facebook at the Spencer Lodge official page. Drop me a note, you know, let me know what you think. Let me know who you'd like me to interview. Let me know what you what you value from that interview as well and uh, and what your takeaways were yourself. And if you're feeling extra generous, do me a massive favor because it really matters enormously to me. Okay, leave me a five-star review on the comments at SoundCloud or anywhere you see this podcast. It would really help to get the podcast out there to more listeners. I look forward to sharing more with you on the next episode. But until then, thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you again on the next episode of the Spencer Lodge podcast.